Likutei Sichais, Chelek Chavdalet, Volume 24, the first Sicha of Parshas Dvarim. This Sicha will explain the concept of translating the Torah into 70 languages. And if this is a good thing, to translate the Torah from Lashon HaKodesh, from Biblical Hebrew, to other languages. Just want to familiarize myself with uh, two interesting stories that will be uh, quoted in this Sicha. The first one is brought down in Maseches Seifrim, Tractate Seifrim, literally scribes. It says a story of five skaten, five elders, that wrote the Torah for Talmai, the Greek king. And the, the Gemara says that this was a day that was so ominous, so difficult, Yoim Kosher Yisrael, like the day in which they made the ego. Why? The Gemara explains because the Torah could not be accurately explained, thoroughly explained in any other language. And after that, the Gemara gives a story of 72 skenim, 72 elders who were uh, commissioned by this very same king, by Talmai. He gathered them together without telling them what it's about, put them each in a separate booth, like in a separate bungalow, and then only then did he tell each one the very same thing. Namely, to, tra- to write down, to transcribe the entire Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu. And it says that Hashem miraculously put into their minds the very same thoughts. And they all came out with the same rendition, which included 13 changes to the wording of the Torah because they understood while they were transcribing it that if they won't make these changes, perhaps they can be misunderstood. One of the classical ones is in the Torah begins with the words, Bereshis bara elikim. In the beginning, elikim, God created. So they changed it to read God created in the beginning, because otherwise perhaps the goy, the goy's mind may understand that in the beginning, so to speak, God was created, and so on. There are other changes. So that's one story. Another story which is recorded in the Seches Shabbos, and this is a story about Hillel and Shammai. Let's just familiarize ourselves with Hillel and Shammai, the two famous sages. Hillel was the Nasi, he was the leader, and Shammai was the Av Bezdin. Perhaps you can call it the chief justice of the Bezdin of the court. Now, generally, we find that Hillel is the one who is makel. He always tends to be more lenient when it comes to halachic rulings, whereas Shammai always tends to be more strict and is always more, more machmir in his approach to deciding halacha. Now, what was the story? There was a long discussion that was going on there, and finally, Shammai called out and he said that if you're going to provoke me, then I'm going to decree Tuma on a certain, um, on a certain type of uh, situation. In other words, he's going to take it even to a further extent in being strict. And it says that they actually stuck a sword in the base medrash, meaning they said everything stops here. Those who come in shall stay in. Those who want, who want to leave should not be able to leave. And we're going to decide the halacha. And the halacha was decided like Shammai. And the Gemara concludes that that day was a very, very difficult day. Why? Because Hillel 
was subjected to sit there amongst in the rows of the students and he was bowed and sitting before Shammai like one of the students. And the Gemara says once again that this was a day that was so difficult, so ominous to the to the Jewish people, like the day when the eagle, when the golden calf was uh, constructed, was made. Now, in, gen- in, in short, we're all familiar with the story of the of the eagle, but just to better be familiar with it, uh, while we're going through the sicha, so the eagle, they came to Aaron and they wanted to make the eagle, and Aaron insisted that he make it. He tried to stall for time. And after everything just sped up against his wishes, Aaron declared, Chag Lashem Mocher, that tomorrow will be a festival for Hashem. And again, his intention was to delay them even more with the hopes, and also he was certain that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to come down the next day, and indeed it won't end up being a day of Abayda Zara, rather it will be, it'll be a day of celebration for Hashem. Let's go into the Sikha. So on the Pasuk, the fifth Pasuk of this Parsha, where it says, that in the other side of the Yardin, in the land of Mayav, Moshe began, Moshe set out to bear, bear means to expound, to clarify this Torah saying. And then it goes on with the rest of Chumash Devarim. So the Chazal tell us in these words that what does it mean, Bayer, that he expounded on it, he explained it, that he actually said it to them in 70 languages. And likewise, we find later in Parshas Kisavai, if you look in chapter 27, verses 4 through 8, over there, Moshe instructs them that when they cross over the Yardin, this is after his passing, that he says, he tells them that they should write all these words, meaning write the entire Torah on the stones, and he also uses this expression, Bayer Hetev, that it should be well expounded. And again, the Chazal tell us that he instructed them to write it in 70 languages. So the, the Rebbe brings now the story, which we mentioned in the introduction, about the five elders that wrote the Torah for Talmai, and that the Gemara concludes that this was such a difficult day to the, for the B'day Yisrael, like the day of when the eagle was constructed. So the Rebbe asks, there seems to be several questions here that pop up right away. Number one, the fact that Moshe already had translated the Torah into 70 languages, and later he told them, he commanded them to also write it down in 70 languages, that seems to imply that there is a good purpose, there's something positive about translating the Torah into 70 languages, and this also includes Greek amongst all the other languages. So why is it a problem? Why was it such a difficult day? Moreover, another question. We say that the Torah could not be properly or thoroughly explained in any other languages. The fact is that they already had said it in 70 languages. Moshe Rabbeinu had said it in 70 languages and instructed him to say it in 70 languages, which also, like I said, includes Greek. And in fact, in the Gemara Yerushalmi, the Gemara says that they checked all the languages and they found that the only language in which the Torah can be properly translated and thoroughly understood is in Greek. So what's going on? But this this seems to say over here that the Torah cannot be explained in any whatsoever language. Moreover, we find that Greek is such a unique language and so, so to speak, 
um, compatible with the language of Torah, that according to Rabbi Shimon and Gamliel, you can write the Torah in Greek? Now the main question, of course, is, what is this comparison to, quote, the day in which the Ega was made? That because it wasn't able, you, they weren't able to thoroughly explain the Torah, it is so, so, so bad, it is so, so to speak, chamur, it's so, such a, such a serious problem that it's like the day where the eagle was made. And says the Rebbe, this expression we also find in the story in regards to Hillel and Shammai, as we said in the introduction. And over there too, we need to understand. What is it? Why was this day so difficult? What was so bad about it? So, so, so Shammai won. So the halacha became like Shammai. And Hill had to sit there and absorb it and take it in. Why is this such a difficult time, such a difficult setting, like the day that the one eagle was made? So the Rebbe was, says, we'll understand this by understanding, by first appreciating the emphasis in the expression of the Chazal. The emphasis in the wording of the choice of wording of our sages. You see, it doesn't say that it was the di- it was as difficult as when they made the Egel or the making of the Egel. Rather, it says like the day of when they made the Egel. You see, the actual difficulty of the Egel perhaps can be understood to have been the next day. The actual problem really was the next day when they ended up worshipping it as Avodah Zarah. And in fact, that was Aaron's intention, as we said in the introduction. And that's why he tried to delay them, to postpone things, by saying, Chag Machar, that tomorrow will be the festivity. But had they not woken up early, because the Yetzirah got them up early out of bed, in order to cause them to sin, then indeed Moshe would have came, and they would have all together burnt the Segel, destroyed it, and there would be no problem. So what does it mean, like the day that the Ego was made? So the Rebbe explains, the day that the ego was made means that it's not so much the problem that they made the ego, because the fact that they made the ego, as we explained, could have ended up to be a very good thing. It could have ended up well. Rather that the day that they made the ego, that entire day was dedicated to the ego, and that entire day became, so to speak, a hachana, a preparation for what came afterwards. And the fact that afterwards came something bad turns it this day into a day, into a whole entity of something terrible. Meaning, in short, this day is the day that made about the potential. It brought about the possibility, the potential of the negativity that came later. Likewise, says the Rebbe, is the issue with translating the Torah into Greek. The fact that you cannot thoroughly translate the Torah into Greek, into any language, but it's even into Greek, meaning all the variations of the Torah and all the various principles in the Torah. There's like, for example, there's no exact chronological order in the Torah, which can confuse things, especially for somebody who is not well-versed in Torah, because of the problem that can result out of it, meaning that a guy, after time, when reading the Torah, when reading this translation, can God forbid perhaps not properly understand the Torah and understand it wrongly and come out with perhaps an opposite uh, truth or an opposite reality from what the truth is. And as we see, for example, in the story with the 72 Skenim, that miraculously they were able to circumvent that 
by the fact that they made certain changes. This is what the problem is. This is the issue with the Torah not being able to be translated properly. And this parallels perfectly with, quote, the day that the ego was made. Because the problem is not in the actual translation. The problem is not as much in the actual mistake that they will make later, but rather that this action, this day, is what be- makes it potentially possible for that to happen. In other words, this is the day that prepares for that problem. And the same is also in the, the same idea is also uh, plays a role in the story of Hillel and Shammai. The difficulty is not so much in the situation as it was, but rather to what it could have led, what this could have brought, brought about, that what? That all the halachas should end up being like Shammai and not according to Hillel, as it needs to be, because Hillel was the Nasi, Hillel was the actual leader, and Shammai was only the Avbezdin. Now, since all matters in Torah are exact, they're very precise, it's understood that the fact that we compare these two episodes to the day that the, the eagle was made is, to, is to, to illustrate, is to indicate how difficult, not only how difficult it is, but also how it's a preparation for what come afterwards. But more, and not only that, but moreover, that there is actually a comparison. There is inherent connection between what happened in these two stories or what could, could have potentially happened in these two stories to what the ego represents, to what happened by the ego. Now let's examine what really was the idea behind the ego. In other words, why exactly did the Eden decide that they have to make an ego? Moshe is not showing up, so appoint a new leader. Why are they making an ego? What is this all about? So the Mephoshim explained that it's not that the Eden were eager to worship Avedizadah. That wasn't on their mind. Rather, they were seeking another level of intermediary between them and Hashem. In other words, it seems that Hashem himself set up the game in that, in that manner, that there should be an intermediary. He appointed Moshe to stand between him, so to speak, and the people. And here's what their thinking was. Since the Torah has to come down all the way down to us, to every single person, that every single person should not only believe that there's Hashem, not only have faith in godliness, but also that they should, quote, know godliness, connect to it. So what did Hashem do? What did they experience? What did they see? That Hashem made that since every ish, every person, has to know godliness and has to connect to Hashem, so he gave them an ish elikim, he gave, gave them a godly man to connect them to Hashem. So they thought that it would be best it would be appropriate to make another level of intermediary, make something else that can bring it down even th- further and bring it down to them. Now, why an ego? Why a calf? So we, we know the, the Medrash tells us that by Matan Torah, when Hashem revealed himself in Har Sinai, he also, they saw what's going on in the heavens. And they saw the Merkava, they saw the heavenly, the holy chariot. And there, one of the things they saw is the Pinei Shur. It says there's a face of an ox there, whatever that means spiritually. But the Medrash tells us that they saw the Pnei Shur and they, quote, they slipped it out, they kind of like snatched it and they used it, but unfortunately they misused it and what came out of it afterwards, a, ma- a matter of Avodah Zorah. And this explains what it means when we say the day that the ego was made. 
not so much, not as much the fact that they later worship the ego, but the day that the ego is made. There's something inherently problematic with the day that the ego was made. You see, the mere fact that they were looking for another level of separation between them and Hashem, another level of intermediary between them and Hashem, because this is not something that Hashem told them to do, because it didn't come from a direct command from Hashem, therefore later from it can evolve the whole idea of Avedah Zorah. In other words, even though their intentions were perhaps good, at least in the initial stages, their intention was a good one. They wanted to use this as a tool, as a means to bring down godliness even more. They wanted to connect Hashem even better. But the fact that it didn't come from a directive of Hashem led to the fact that later it turned into Avedah Zorah. And that's what's inherently wrong with the day. This is what the Medrash means when it says they slipped away this shur, this face of the ox, ox of the Merkava. You see, because in the Merkava, what does the face of the ox represent? What does it do? It reveals godliness. But because they took their own initiative, and it was a wrong one because it wasn't commanded by Hashem, this later led to the exact opposite that this concealed, this went against godliness, not revealed godliness. And now we can ex- and appreciate better the likeness to the story with Talmai, the story with the Greek king who, and the Skenim who translated the Torah. You see, when Hashem, in our parsha, when Moshe does it, obviously Hashem told him to do it. When Hashem commands to translate the Torah, then there's no possibility for anything bad to come out of it. It can never evolve into something negative. However, when the commandment, when the directive comes from Talmai, from the Greek king, meaning it's not coming from Hashem, and here it's coming from a guy who is commissioning it, then it can unfortunately lead to very negative results, and that's why it was a very, very difficult situation. And the example for it is, like I said in the introduction, where they understood, the 72 elders understood, that if, it would, if they would translate verbatim, who knows what the Goya might conclude from it as if something else created God and therefore they had to turn it around they had to change it so you see that when it comes from Hashem there's no there's no um, worry there's no problem that can perhaps come out of it but when it comes from a Goyish king already it can lead to something bad and this is explains why it's similar to what happened on the day that the eagle happened, because it didn't come from Hashem. It came on their own initiative, and it already immediately, because from the from the onset, had the potential of distorting things, of becoming the of of um, <clears throat> having the exact opposite results of what was intended. And now we'll look at the story of Hillel and Shammai. In general, we find that Hillel is Makel. Hillel typically. They are the more lenient when it comes to halacha, when it comes to sakdin. And the reason for it is because it says the shoydish of their neshama, the source of their neshama is more from chesed. Whereas shamai, uh, typically they are machmir, they're more strict because they come from gvura. What's the difference between chesed and gvura? What's the difference between kindness and severity or din or judgment? So the Medrash tells us that when it came to the creation of the world, chesed amar yivra. Chesed said, yes, Hashem should create the world. Whereas din, or emes, uh, judgment, or truth, or in this case, this aligns with gevura, with severity, said, no, you shouldn't create the world. Once the world is created, how does this express itself? So it expresses itself is that if you follow midas chesed, 
That is that is a a a constant mode of seeking ways of drawing down godliness into the world because the world defines the world as a positive thing and therefore it seeks constantly for more and more ways to bring more and more godliness into the world whereas din is always seeking the world being that it sees it as a negative thing right it didn't really want it to be for it to be created it felt that it is something separate from godliness therefore it's always seeking to be mevatel the world so to speak to break the world to crush it in other words from a standpoint of din, you you kind of see the world as if it's something separate from Hashem, and therefore has to continuously one has to continuously and consistently distance himself from the world. Whereas from Chesed, you always see the potenta potentially the world is godliness, and therefore you have to find every what which way in order to bring out the godliness more in the world, in 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 a very refined um, manner. You could look at it this way. From a standpoint of Midas Adin, it's as if there are two entities here. There's Hashem and there's the world. And this is the comparison. This parallels to what happened with the ego. Again, they saw themselves as two separate things, them and Hashem. And they need to find some mode, some intermediary, some means of, so to speak, connecting these two separate things. So that's why it's connected. It's compared to, to the quote, the day that the ego was made. Now, in actuality, from these two stories, nothing negative came out. Moreover, if you look at it, there's some positive that actually resulted. From the story of the Greek translation, it came out that also to the nations, there is also now an emphasis of Achtus Hashem, of the unity of Hashem, because of all the changes they made and the clarifications. Moreover, the language itself, the Greek language itself, was also elevated in the sense to the extent that according to Halacha, the only language in which you can write Svarim, you can write the Torah, is in Greek, and it even has a certain sense of holiness. Now the story with Shama and Hilo, what came out of it, is also a positive that came out of it. Because of this story, Shammai became somewhat connected to Hilo, to the extent that we do find throughout Shas that even Shammai, who, like we said, ordinarily, his piske dinim are always on the side of gvura, on the side of chumra, on the side of stringency, but we find throughout the Shas that there are many places where he is makel, he is lenient, just like Hilo. says the Rebbe, because the words of tzaddikim, they exist and they last forever. In other words, they have an everlasting effect. Therefore, and especially if it's written in the Torah. So it must be that these words of Aaron, which he declared, Chag that tomorrow will be a Chag to Hashem. When was that tomorrow, by the way? That's the day that Moshe Rabbeinu came down and witnessed the Egel and he broke the Luchas. We all know that Shiva Asr Betamas, the 17th of Tamas. And like Darizal writes, that there is a hint over here when he said in the words Chag Lashem Machar, he was hinting to the end of time when Shivasa Batamos will be converted into a day of joy and celebration. And says the Rebbe that likewise we can say the same for the translation of the seventy languages, in especially in 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 our times in the, la, in the in later generations, in the latter generations that is. And we see especially how the wellsprings of Pneumius Atoida, of the deepest secrets of the Torah, were, were translated 
into many, many languages, which are the prominent languages of the 70 languages of Umay Sa'ulam, of the nations of the world, through the Friedrich Rebbe that put in a great effort and emphasis in spreading the deepest secrets of Chassidus through all the 70 languages. What this does is not only it brings the secrets of the Torah to them and the oneness of Hashem to them, but also it elevates the 70 languages of all the nations. Not only does it bring the Torah down to them, but it also elevates their languages, the fact that their languages were now used as a conduit of spreading Torah, true Torah, and the secrets of Torah. Because through them came now a, a better appreciation, understanding of Achtus Hashem, of the unity of Hashem. And the Rebbe says that this, of course, hastens the Geula, when it says, that Hashem says, then I will give all the nations that they'll speak all a common language, which is what? To call out in the name of Hashem to all together serve Hashem as one entity together.